Hello. Hello. Oh, Hello. My, my, ha, I thought I you were here. <laughs> Do I have an echo? Oh, my God. Oh my God. Adam, there's, Adam an there's an echo. It's a good day for this Irishman. His country just passed marriage equality. Something that snores at the car for his church. The hardcover satanic Bible and satanic rituals just arrived in the mail. I would now like, if I may, to take you on a strange thing. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. Today I'm being joined by a Den R. Den. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Calling you from a bathhouse. <laughs> Dirty. Don't drop the phone into the bath. That would not be good. There's no baths in a bathhouse, <laughs> dumbass. There's not like a, like a Roman or Greek giganto pool that you all just ease into? Yeah, no, things aren't that classy anymore. Come on. <laughs> All right, now I'm really curious because that's seriously what I had it in my head. What? What is it? What's a bathhouse? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm absolutely serious. Like, I genuinely what thought it you, was like guys get together in steam and get a massage. And No, there's steam rooms, there's jacuzzis, there's pools. Um, depending on how clean this place is, you may or may not want to get into one. Um, it's where men go to have sex. It's like a big locker room. You just walk around naked. There's little rooms that, uh, you know, they're about the size of two single beds, and there's only one bed in there. You know, a guy will leave the door open with his ass up in the air. You know, if the door is oh. closed, means they're busy. What did you think I was going to take you to when we were in D.C.? Uh, well, I already explained it. I thought it was going to be like some Greco-Roman fucking pool steam place. Huh. No wonder why you were okay with it. <laughs> I was like, that, that sounds kind of nice. <laughs> it would have been hilarious if, if we had actually gone. And you walked in and you're like, oh, shit, no, this is not what you, what you told me it was. <laughs> Times have changed since the Rome series. Yeah. <laughs> Calling your wife crying, honey, can you come pick me up? I feel like a piece of meat. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, you learn something new every single day. That's me. <laughs> I feel so fucking dumb, I had no idea. <clears throat> Alright, well, folks, it is May 31st, and aside from my bathhouse ignorance, we do actually have a really great show for you this week. We're going to start off with the Nine Cents Letters. Now, after having heard another podcast this week, I learned that this letter was sent to a couple different podcasts. And so uh, the individual who sent it was definitely looking for his own specific uh, reaction rather than other people's. At least that's my interpretation. Uh, but we're going to give you ours anyway. Uh, it's essentially based around the idea of, um, oh, how to put it? Extending one's life. What's that? No, never mind. You got it. 
transhumanism would be another aspect of it too. Um, and then we're going to slide into a little something different with Heather Height, which is a really good episode. It's episode two. Offended bloggers get buggered. They must be at the bathhouse too. Of course. Yay, Adan. Heather. <laughs> uh, militant eroticism. Of course, Aden is here. This is episode 24. What are we calling this one, man? What do we call this one? Oh, how to have a three-way. Because it's not gay if it's in a three-way. <laughs> With the honey in the middle, there's some leeway. <laughs> oh, jeez. This is like a Dr. Seuss <laughs> episode. All right. <laughs> uh, and we're going to close it out with a little uh, Warlock M.A. Mandrake and Between the Horns, his episode three, Hail Satanists. And it is essentially his discussion on DC, uh, the, the past events. And that's going to pretty much close it out for Nine Senses contributors experience over at dc i've now talked to everyone about it and that's all you're probably going to hear from it from us so you're gonna have to get your fixes elsewhere after today people um all right so let, let me start off by saying i just got back from the pool about an hour ago public pool there's a lot of pee in that <laughs> pool i'm sure tons of chlorine what here's what I don't understand about the public pool. Like my kids have been bugging me all winter to go because they love swimming and jumping off diving boards and basically just playing in the water in the sun, which of course, why not? Why wouldn't you? You're a little kid. Uh, I don't understand the adults that go to the pool, the public pool with no kids. Like it's just adults to hang out in the afternoon, go to a public pool. It is so weird. And you can always, the quality of human that does this, the quality of adult, they are, and this may be very telling about where I live, they're all white or brown trash. Like that is all you get (laughs) at the public pool. Right? (laughs) Like you feel like you're going to catch something just from looking at these people. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. It's disgusting. I don't fucking get what. Okay, look, some of these people, I genuinely think they're just, this is like their weekly shower. They're going to the public pool just to shower. (laughs) This is the quality of human that public pools attract. And I don't understand it. Like, I'm going because my kids are there. If it wasn't for my children, I would never go. But seeing the other people that are there with no children makes me not want to bring my kids to this damn pool. It is disgusting. I'm constantly on the lookout for predators. Wait, but wait a minute. If you're an adult and you want to go swimming, where are you going to go? To a hotel? Uh, that's actually a really good question. So there's amusement parks, which would be my first pick. Not at, like not like, like a rec center public pool, unless it's a really, like a new one. And, and, and then again, it really depends on the area. So what we normally do is if we want to go in an indoor pool, we go to like better neighborhoods, <laughs> rec centers. <laughs> And, we go to and, the better neighborhood public pool. <laughs> we go to the good side of the tracks because our side has some shit in it. It is mm. fucked up, man. It's just the people are so goddamn gross. Why don't you just groom a little? Just a little. If you you know you're going to be half naked with the rest of the public, just groom yourself a bit so that when I look upon you, I don't want to immediately vomit in this pool. Okay. Because I don't care. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, shit, you don't want none of this? Lying motherfucker. <laughs> Get over here and suck my dick. It's fucking crazy. Hold on, I got a spider. I got to fucking kill. 
is crawling up my wall. What the fuck kind of spider is that? Oh my gosh! One that's gonna eat the other insects in your house, you murderous man. Did you hear that? Murder. He's got it. Motherfucker. Yeah, no, it was a disgusting black spider that was just waiting for me to go to sleep so it could bite my belly button or something. That's what they do. Are you Adam Campbell or Robert Luthold? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be whoever you want, son. Alright, so that's really all I wanted to talk about for the swimming thing. It was fucked up, man. These people are fucked up. I don't understand it. Here's my statement to anyone out there listening. If you're going to go to a public pool, trim up a little everywhere. Just in case. Just saying. You know, just go to a public pool as if you're trying to impress someone. That's what you should be doing. Because otherwise... Is that half the point? <laughs> you, as a kid, it totally is. Like, that was how I spent my entire pre-high school youth, was going to public schools and trying to get a girl to kiss me. <laughs> like, that was it. It was wow. just trying to hook up with girls. You know, my pre-teen pubescence. Uh, that's how I rolled. What did you do in your pre-teen pubescence for talk, fun? Talking about a predator. <laughs> I was a kid too, um, damn it. <laughs> nah. Uh-huh. It was last weekend. Who am I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I um there were no public pools where I grew up. I I had a pool growing up actually. Well la the motherfucking duh. <laughs> it came you. with the house. It, you know, it was an above ground pool. Yeah, we you couldn't really take it down, but it was yeah. one step up from a blow up pool. Yeah. Right on. I know. So they had right poles and it was made out of um like fiberglass. Nothing fancy. Yeah. That's what my wife's trying to convince uh, me to buy. But I was a, I was in Michigan, man. We wanted to go swimming after my parents got rid of the pool. We went to the fucking lake. Yeah, that's or the other deep. thing. Totally. Yeah, I mean regionally, of course, but I my younger years, I grew up in a town that was really, really small and it had this really large pond that was verging on the size of a lake. And we would just go hang out there. Like, that was a big thing. Yeah, but I, people are afraid to go swimming in ponds. And I'm like, a lot of the bacteria in there, depending on how clean your environment is, a lot of the bacteria in there is really good. I had really bad acne when I was a teenager. If I went swimming, or like when I would go camping and went swimming, it all cleared the fuck up. Especially if I took a shower in well water. My God, that shit made my skin glow. Is this a real thing? What? Yeah. Huh. I love um, I, I love well water. I wish I could still bathe in it. I've never heard of that before. Mm, it Fuck. tastes fantastic. All the all the dirt. All the minerals. All the yeah. Or that, yeah, too. <laughs> it's good for you. It puts I, hair on your chest. Maybe that's my problem. My God, does it? I am one hairy twenty-something-year-old. <laughs> See, there's there's a proof. <laughs> Aden's hairy. Right? He had well water. Hence, well water puts hair on his chest. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> you right, didn't well, drink any well water, and you're smooth as a baby's ass. Seriously, right. it's almost embarrassing. Um, all right, let me let me give you guys uh, a little bit of down low. I. W- The week after DC, actually it was the next day, I released a show, and I pretty much featured my salon presentation. I don't know why I said it like that. I just felt like saying it like that. Um, That entire show, The Greater Satanic Conversation, or Defining The Greater Satanic Conversation. I'm now actually making a microsite which 
gives that same information. Uh, it's almost finished. I just have a couple people needing to put their eyes on it for approval. But essentially, it's just the really the meat and potatoes of that concept. And uh, I realize that there's a lot of people who don't listen to this podcast like the entire world. And the only way that they're going to find that type of a content is if they Google search it. And so this is another way to get it out there. But I do highly recommend it once it's released everyone else who listened to the podcast go and check that as well because I may have uh, you know hit some points a little bit harder uh, in the site uh, just know that it's a resource out there for you uh, if you ever were wondering how to combat the pseudos and pretenders and actually Aden I really wanted to talk to you I wanted to ask you you've had militant eroticism your latest book your first book out for quite some time i want to know how it's going what's what's new um i'm getting a lot of naked pictures of men oh really <laughs> no i really am that's the funny part like more than usual <laughs> uh more than well these are mostly straight men i think and they're holding my book up in front of cock wow yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy. My COS, my my, I have a file that says naked COS. It's just full of naked pictures of people. Jeez. Oh, you are this. This is a dirty church. All right. <laughs> let me let me tell you. No, it's true. No, it, it's great. When I when I was at there was one guy who came up to me at Conclave and he was um he uh. Or, well, not with it, not going into that too much. It was a, the essays in that book that I really wanted people to pay attention to the most did. And it was like the young Satanist essay meant the most to me in that book. And that's what I'm getting the biggest response on. Good. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's been fun. It's been good. I'm, uh, now I'm, now I look at it, I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. I, I need something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right, uh, next. <laughs> well, I did notice uh, in social media, on Facebook specifically, you created a page specifically for the Militant Racism book. So if people out there want to connect with that to find out news and updates, just check out. Well, I don't know. What is it? It's just facebook.com slash Milton Racism. Change the podcast Facebook page to Milton Racism on nonsense because now these two things are treated differently and I don't want the news to be um, right. intertwined. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that. Milt, okay. uh, Facebook.com slash militant eroticism book. All right. Well, there you go, people. Yeah. Definitely go check it out. Follow it. If you're not on Facebook, uh, just swing by the page every once in a while and check out the newest updates, and we'll we'll keep you updated on on the podcast here, as uh, if anything further develops or if there's any changes or anything. Um, and I would like to say at the top of the show, you guys heard someone call in. <laughs> I had this this really strange experience. So uh, Google Voice, the people who manage my answering machine online, essentially, um, that I have, you know, the, the only phone number that I have publicly is is really just a Google Voice account, and it's a, essentially an answering machine. But it, you could actually use it as a forwarding service. So they emailed me saying we need to verify your phone number again just to make sure it's still you and still active. I verified it. What I didn't pay attention to was that it changed it from just accepting the answering machine information on Google Voice to actually forwarding it to my fucking phone. So I got a number of phone calls from people that I did not 
know. I don't know who they are still, but either they didn't say anything once they actually realized that it was, in fact, me picking it up, <laughs> or they're like, um, trying to leave a message. So, uh, <laughs> what should I do? Should I hang up? Should we try again? What are you going to record it right now? I'm just like, fuck. So I apologize to everyone that I sounded like a complete dumbass to on the phone. Cause I didn't understand that it did actually forward all your calls to me. I actually did pick up a number of them. Sorry. I am really retarded. So, uh, I've fixed it since then. You should have no problem, but I do encourage everyone to be a part of Nine Cents. And in this specific way, leave us your own intro. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. And you can do so by calling 801-899-6168 or record it on your own and email it to um, info at ninecentspodcast.com. I believe you can actually even email it on your phone like text, like record it on your phone and text it to that same phone number and it should still receive it. So I want to get a lot of those people. It's nice hearing from you all. Uh, how about we start the show, man? What do you say? Sure, but um, can I call that phone number and pretend to be like 50 people? I mean, I've done it a few times, but I think <laughs> now I just, I should ask your permission. Like, you know, I have one too many and I'm like, I'm going to prank phone call Adam Campbell, but I'm going to do it through right. the nine cents phone number. Uh, you totally can. Yes. <laughs> Were you that? Put that out there. It sounded like now everyone's gonna think it's all you. Uh, it's one of them sounded like this twelve-year-old fat girl. <laughs> I hate. I know, like she's probably listening to this and like super wildly offended. But I was, and it, she didn't actually leave that. She was just like you know leaving a bunch of weird prank calls. Um, so twelve-year-old fat girl. I, I have no idea why I think you're fat, but I'm just fucking projecting here i guess because i'm fat um shut the fuck up and stop calling me (laughs) i can't take it anymore (laughs) fine i'll pick a new character (laughs) all right all right right. i'm done done fucking with you now Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. I listen to this podcast quite regularly. I'm wondering if you have ever had a deep discussion around self-preservation as the highest law in relation to cryonics, Alcor.org, mind uploading and the technological singularity. I do not ever want to die. Given my satanic philosophy, I suspect this is a topic that would be highly interesting to many Satanists who also want to someday attain immortality, which is increasingly becoming more plausible within our natural lifetime. And through cryonics is possible now from a point of view, and will surely become possible at some point in the future. I also believe that these types of advancements are in line with many of the aspects of pentagonal revisionism. Many billionaire tech execs are also proactively contributing towards ushering in a singularity, with Google X having hired Ray Kurzweil directly, and both Facebook and Google focusing major R&D efforts on AI, robotics, etc. I'm more interested in this uh, in the philosophical view Nine Cents and other Satanists may have on the topic itself, and not so much the organizations or influence, influencers working on these things in real-world application. Oh, no, sorry. Um, he just said at the very end, yeah, he can provide us more information or contribute if we wanted to talk about it. I, I want to address this from our positions and then say 
the greater audience out there, if you do want to have a deeper discussion about this, shoot me an email. I don't plan on addressing it any deeper than we're about to. Uh, so if you do want something deeper than what we give you now, uh, let me know and I'll reach back out to this dude and we'll do some more research and we'll, we'll get into it as it were. But, uh, for now, what do you think of Um, what do you, what do you think about this? I consider myself a transhumanist and I have a cryonic contract. So there. <laughs> okay. You have uh, a cryonic contract. So when you, when you die the, yeah, before you die in my, uh, it's included in my life insurance. Uh, I pay on it every month. The younger you are and the healthier you are, the cheaper it is. Um, yeah, so if I'm fortunate enough to be dying or terminally ill in a hospital, pretty much when I'm declared legally dead, um, or what is it? Um, I have this standby team. So what that means is my immediate physician is supposed to call um, the company that I have and they will send a team of doctors to stand in my room and wait till I die. And uh, as soon as I'm declared legally dead, they kick everybody out of the room, they pump out all my blood, they, um, they pump me full of a bunch of other shit, put me in a big ice bin, and then transport me back to the warehouse where they keep all these corpses to finish the surgery. And then I'm kept from rotting pretty much until they can figure out a way to bring me back. Because the idea is that the body's nothing but like a car with a computer attached. So if you can save as many of the parts as possible, specifically the brain, uh, you can retain all the information. And if consciousness is nothing but the end result of, in, um, of internal, and ex, um, internal and external uh, stimuli and information, then if you can preserve all that, then you should this unit um, should wake back up. It'd be like going to sleep and waking back up. What the fuck? This is a trip. <clears throat> so, because... But, but theoretically plausible. It's scientifically sound. Well, I mean, theoretical <laughs> science. I mean, if it's scientifically sound, it would have been done. Um, uh, no, 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 no. That's what they said about heart surgery. When, you, when they said, if you tried to stop a heart, you would kill people. And what's very common now. Yeah. They also said people wouldn't live past um, in their 70s, what, 40 years ago. Not 40 years ago, something like that. Every, every 10 to 20 years, uh, death has to be redefined medically because of technological advancement. This just builds on that premise by, by treating death like a disease. It does very much, to me seem it's like uh the 1950s dick tracy comics with the phone in his watch the video phone in his watch like that's where mm. we are with cryogenic research like we're it's and i don't i haven't studied up on this i haven't really dived into alcor specifically or other cryo um companies but it does very much seem from the outside as we are so far ahead, it is still science fiction, and instead of working on how to do it, they're just like, well, let's put them on ice now, and we'll figure it out later. But Which they're is... working on it. The, th the reason why I like these companies is, one, they're not owned by businessmen. They're owned by scientists, some of which are Nobel Prize winners. Hmm. Um, there is a department of CERN that works on reversing aging and stopping death on making human beings naturally immortal. 
Um, the argument is there's no reason for us to die. And death is not one thing. It's kind of like, it's kind of like AIDS. AIDS is not one thing. It's a combination of things that it stems from HIV. So instead of listing a hundred different things that you could get from your HIV, they called AIDS, when your immune system is so low that all this really weird shit just pops up. Mm. Same thing with death. There's no such thing. De death is a process and a point. Uh, so there's nothing called death that kills you. It's a bunch of diseases from the machine breaking down. Yeah, death is the result. It's not the cause. Right. So, and in the past, people had tried to just cure a bunch of diseases. These guys are saying, well, actually, a lot of, a lot of the reason why these diseases show up is because you can only recycle things so many times. And that's because of a break, uh, that's because of the process of the human body. We just keep recycling things. Mm -hmm. You can only, and if you try to, that's, you know, part of the criticism of the green movement and recycling. We can only recycle something so many times before it completely falls apart. And that's what death is. So if you can reprogram the body to not do that, then everything should be just fine. That at a certain <clears> point <throat> at aging, you will, you will stop. And they've woken up dogs. They've woken up from being frozen after they die. They've reversed aging in mice. They've had some success with, with reversing aging in chimps. It's no longer science fiction. I, I do honestly have a hard time uh, accepting without some, without some conscious measure of response, it's hard to say whether that revived mouse or that revived dog is actually, you know, fully contained as it was before death, before shutting down, you know, its 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 system. So it, it's hard for me to say, well, you know, you can you can turn the motor on, but is the computer still operating in the motor, I guess is what I'm trying to to say. You know, if it ever happened to a person, um, would it just be like a wiped bio hard drive that is our brain we, would we still contain everything or or is that our memories and our thoughts uh dependent on continuous well, pumping of blood and everything well that's the the reason why this i opted for the standby team is because the longer the brain goes without oxygen the more information is destroyed and if you want your so-called soul intact you cannot have that brain without oxygen for very long you have to freeze it immediately and they do um the, the, this people people and you kind of alluded to it people are concerned about this you-ness which is like a fancier way of saying the soul is it really you when you wake up right right, right. adam you're in your, you're in your late 30s now right yeah all right there is no part of your body and I do mean not one part of your body that existed 15 years ago. Are you you? Yeah, every it is an interesting... Yeah. Right. Every time you go to sleep and you wake up, your brain just processed a bunch of information, most of which you are not aware of, and did things to your memory without your permission. Mm -hmm. Are you still the same person you were 
I mean, the brain does this all the time. Half the shit you remember as a child never really happened. And so are, are you still you? It's, these are useless questions. The, the only real question is, do you wake up? And if death is anything like coma or anything like sleeping, which it kind of seems to be, then yes, it would be, as long as that information is there. Because people who've woken up from coma with a little bit of brain damage, their behavior changes a little bit. Their personality is a little bit different. Yeah. But so other people may say it's not the same person. But if you talk to that person, they are only aware of going to sleep and waking back up and feeling a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Which is why and, they also tell people to keep a journal. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, I mean, you wouldn't even you wouldn't know that you're acting differently because you're only, your awareness is tied to how your brain is operating in that moment. Exactly. So the idea so they, of self-aware is only in the moment. That's, it's a very interesting idea. Um, so obviously you're very interested in self-preservation being the highest law. Um, and I want to make sure everyone yeah, understands. Yeah. So the context yeah. around that reference, it's, it's actually originally taken from Midas right but if you want to look in the satanic bible it's in the book of satan um chapter 3 verse 7 if you want to break it down that way but it does end in you know self-preservation is the highest law but that's in the context in the satanic bible at least of physical altercations uh or social interaction it is not uh an end result of uh if you're going to die, you'll do anything not to die. And so there's a little bit of a twisting of that idea in this context, but I think the concept is still sound in that we are human beings, we are animals who recognize at one point we will end and we're going to do what we can to enjoy life to the fullest. And some people, like Aden, have plans to try to go beyond that. Um, and so here is that fundamental difference. I know there's organizations out there that are very much tied to the idea of living forever. Personally, um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's, well, there's every question in that idea. If we could live that long, knowing that our bodies, our biological computers are made up, our, the machines that we are, are made up of cells that have a lifespan, and that if it, it pushes those boundaries, it starts to degrade in some way. Would an eternal life actually be a good one? Or would we just be mad and insane past a certain point? Or would our bodies not work in the same way in our youth as they would later on because we're pushing the boundaries of cellular? So there's a lot of questions like that that we are far from ever being able to answer. But there's also this idea that as Satanists, we, we cherish life so much because it ends. Because it's our only one. So let me ask you, Aden. With that in mind, do you think we would identify as strongly as Satanists cherishing and championing life so much if we had the lifespan of a couple generations? Would it be so important? I'm not a Satanist because I think about death. I'm a Satanist because I love living. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or at least it's part of it. And like, like LeVay said, no one wants to leave a good party and I'm having one fuck of a time. I don't <laughs> want to go anywhere. Yeah. Now on the, on the other hand, the thing I find frightening about death is I can't imagine it. It's like falling asleep. 
You right. cannot tell me, and no one can, what time they went to sleep because you're gone. You're gone. And the, the, that statement sounds so simple, but really think about it. You are not there. You can't, you can't even think about nothing because you're not there to think about it. And you can't really conceive of it anyway. No one can. Right. Now, on the other hand, I said, I, I said immortal, not indestructible. You know, it, it's kind of like that right to die movement that I'm a big fan of. If I want to die, I can. I didn't say indestructible. If someone mm-hmm. wants to be that way, that's their curse. Go right ahead. You know, what's life without a little bit of danger? But right. I want to live as long as possible. And you also have to remember that 200 years ago, people weren't living past their 50s. So you could have posed the same question to me then, and it still would have been, well, I wouldn't say it's a valid question, but it would still make the same point. Would you really want to live to 100? And now people are doing that, and we see all the health problems and the mental problems that come with that. But that's because they're still aging, and what the current medical technology is not reversing the process. It's mm-hmm. having them cling on to a, to a tree during a hurricane. You know, they're holding on for dear life, and here's the price. Um, but if we can just get rid of all that, treat the problem and not the symptoms, then the, all those questions go right out the window. Uh, and I, the more choices I have in life over my own existence, the happier I am. If I can choose to live five, six hundred years, I can. And then other people bring up the population thing, but let's remember how many stupid people there are and how many people have rationalized that they want to die because there's never been an option. Even Benjamin Franklin wrote that he, um, this is a logical fallacy, I know that, but even Franklin wrote that he was so disappointed that he lived in such a scientifically retarded time (laughs) that this option did not exist for him. Because he wrote about what we call cryonics. Um, he wanted to see what his uh, what his country would be like in 200 years. Thank God that technology did not exist for him. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be one pissed dude. <laughs> right, but but back to your point. No, this doesn't. Affect, if anything, the transhumanism doesn't make one more satanic or less satanic. It it's um it's almost like truly being equal with a god. Uh, you know, gods don't die unless they kill themselves, apparently. So, <laughs> but uh, no, this this uh, this to me goes right hand in hand with um, vital existence, with with striving to live, because there's too much shit I want to do, and 80 years is not enough. It's not enough to have lazy days and all the things I want to accomplish, and I refuse to make that choice. That's one nice. choice I think is unfair. And there are, there are animals on this planet that do, that are immortal. And it's not fair. Why do they get it and I don't? That's not right. <laughs> I was kind of joking. But in a serious <laughs> way, yeah. When I learned that jellyfish don't age, I got really pissed. I, I think I threw a fit in my high school science class. Not much of a I life, really though. really pissed about it. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> See, well, I mean, isn't that the point, point of living a long time is to be able to enjoy it? 
I mean, life in and of itself well, is meaningless. It's the experiences you have in life that give it meaning. And don't you want more of those experiences? There's yeah, but if you're a fucking jellyfish, I mean. Uh, yeah, true. So, again, why do they get it? They don't do anything. They just, they just Worthless motherfucking people. jellyfish. I'm starting a foundation against jellyfish. We're going to euthanize well, jellyfish. Well, no, they do get people peed on. Let's, let's be fair. They <laughs> provide comic relief. <laughs> but... I mean, don't, I, it, to me, it's, I want to see what's going to happen. I don't want to go to bed. I want to yeah. keep doing things. And, and other people are like, well, won't you get bored? Are you kidding me? That's so arrogant. How would I get bored? That's assuming I could do and know everything. That's really arrogant. No, there's, yeah. there's, there's shit to see and things to do and people to fuck and things to fuck up. Let's, you know. <laughs> Let me take one more step down the philosophical side of this with you. Um, if, if we are bound by natural laws in this universe that is made up of such, if the cells in our bodies were evolved to have a time span, is going outside of that natural law unsatanic if we ourselves, as Satanists, champion natural law? People made that argument when we went to the moon. People were meant to stay on the planet. It would be an affront to God, blasphemous, and unnatural to go to the moon. We're, we're glorified monkeys. We're, um, monkeys aren't supposed to go to different planets. Human, you can't break natural law. You cannot do it. To do so would be... It, will, it would be impossible. It's like trying to violate the law of gravity. All you can do is manipulate it. So to cure death is a manipulation of natural law. There is no law that says... Oh, wait, no, the law of entropy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's look, let's look at transhumanism this way. They're trying to cure human, natural, quote-unquote, death. And really, you're violating that law every day in the way you phrased it. Medicine, surgery, HIV cures right now. It's true. You know, it was our turn to get it. Yeah, it was our turn to get it. Balding, clothes, homes, air conditioning, heating, cooking, condoms. Are you telling me you, sir, are against condoms? <laughs> <laughs> I am not a Catholic. I am quite all right with the condom. <laughs> It is interesting because, I mean, to your point, everything that we've done in order to stem uh, illness or death has been through natural law. And so who's to say that we just haven't reached that wall yet, you know, to let us uh, stem off the the cellular death itself, uh, which would then extend our life. Uh, So it is interesting. Um, I think it's definitely an idea that is interesting um, I'm not ready to do the cryo thing yet. Uh, I've never really been interested in it. I, I find it's, it, it's slightly romantic. The idea that my life is short in the scheme of things. And that forces me to face the fact that I have to make the most out of it every single day. However I can, I have to make my impact now. Um, 
there are far too many procrastinators out there that if they did live forever, well, I'll get to pushing my boundaries tomorrow. I got to finish the fucking Sopranos fucking series I was watching today. (laughs) You know, I mean, you would just push things off in general till later because there's no sense of urgency and urgency is what drives human innovation. Um, So for me, for me, I'm not really interested in extending my life. I want to live as long as I humanly can, but I'm not going to go that extra mile for the what ifs. I'm going to focus instead on the here and now and the people around me and the experiences I'm having. Um, But I want to be clear that I don't, I don't look, not that it matters anyway, but I don't, I don't look down on anyone for wanting to try it. It's a logical thing to do to want to extend one's life. Um, I'd also, I have, uh, and maybe you can explain to me um, how it interests you, Aden. I don't really see an interest in connecting with technology in order to preserve life. So he, uh, in this, in this uh, letter we got, um, they mentioned uh, mind uploading. Is that something that you would be interested in? If, if your body gives out, if there was a way of capturing the you through electrical impulses, because that's all we are in our brains anyway, um, mm-hmm. and we could transfer it to some external net, is that something you would be interested in? Oh my God, absolutely. Me and Darren had this conversation because we were both like watching that kind of anime movie that asks all those tough technological and philosophical questions. So we'll sit there and watch those two-hour movies and then talk about it for six hours. Cool. Um, Wait, what movie talks about this? Ghost in the Shell. Oh, really? Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It. And the soundtrack is terrifying, but awesome in ritual. Look it up. Um <laughs> Like a bunch of Asian women screaming to this beautiful classical music. It's terrifying. (laughs) Um, Sounds like a bunch of harpies in hell. It's great. Um, But the the thing is, is there there was, I can never remember his name. He worked at CERN. He worked on on the Methuselah Project. And the Methuselah Project is a group of scientists, reputable, and famous and very well-respected scientists, by the way, who are working on reversing aging. They call it the Methuselah Project. Um, and he said, shit, what did he say? God damn it. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, at some point in an intelligent species evolution, they have the opportunity to take their evolution in their own hands. Human beings have been doing this since we first started making spheres. Um, that's I think if you could say, is there a point to human intelligence? I would say that's the point, to manipulate the environment in our favor. Uh, so this mind uploading thing, which is so theoretical, it's, yeah. like, I mean, so on paper, it makes sense and it should work. Cryonics actually has evidence behind it. Mind uploading has nothing but theory. It's but it should work. We have no way to do it yet. The best we've done is hooked up a brain to a computer and taught a paraplegic telekinesis. But um, the I totally would. I don't. I my body. It would. It, it's what do they call it? Post-human. It would be the next stage of evolution for a technological species such as ours. I wouldn't be, you wouldn't be human anymore. And one of my friends point out, well, do you see a problem with being human? Because that would contradict Satanism. I'm like, no, I don't. 
But if I can live forever and choose a body, make it, uh, make it however I wish, wish, and permanently be the lawnmower man, first of all, I'd get over my childhood fear of that movie. <laughs> that movie great reference, though. <laughs> Not too timely, but great. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I totally be in favor of it. Whatever means are at my disposal to extend my life as long as I can, I would take. Whether it's working out, not eating McDonald's every day or at <laughs> all, um, having the tough surgeries to maybe get 10 more years, I would do it. I don't want to go. I do not want to go anywhere. And if I have, if I'm I hate to use the phrase, but if I'm free of my physical body and can just choose whatever form I want and I can only have my consciousness, you don't escape the laws of nature that way. And you can't escape evolution. The rules just change. It's like discussing classical physics and then going into quantum mechanics. Two different rules, but it's still within natural law. There's, there's no escaping these things, but you can manipulate them and get more time. And you do it. So when you say you don't want to go the extra mile, but you already do, you're just, um, my thing, I'm willing to take a shot on, on the technology. Here, here's, here's the comparison I gave to Darren, because he had a similar argument you did. It was, you guys are the type of guys that wouldn't have had the open heart surgery where they kill you for four minutes. And would think, rather wait would. until they succeed. But the argument you're using is the same argument that people used back then. I'm not yeah. sure. But then again, it makes sense. You don't want to be the guinea pig. Right. For me, it's what's the worst that's going to happen. I'm dead anyway. Yeah, that's true. Except now I'm dead on, I just have an option. I'm not going to rot. But when, when I read the research and I read the men working on it, these brilliant geniuses, it's, it's not even faith, it's not hope, it's kind of like getting on a plane. I don't know how the fuck it works. Well, I do. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it works. I mean, I don't fly, but it doesn't require faith to get on a plane. Right, know? right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you um, um, this next quick step here, if I can. Um, he mentions a technological singularity. The premise being... Mm-hmm we create some sort of artificial intelligence that then in and of itself surpasses us and sort of spirals out of control. Is that something that you're concerned with? The singularity, I don't research too much, but from my understanding, it's not that AI would go out of control and become a Terminator scenario. It's, I like this. I really like the singularity talk because it reminds me of um, mythology. People yeah. were punished in Roman and Greek myths for surpassing the gods. And the reason the gods did that was to maintain their control. And people, human beings, tend to imitate their myth. And now we're getting the opportunity to kind of face this battle. What happens when the creation can confront the creator? <laughs> it's almost like Blade Runner. What happens when son comes home to ask daddy why he did things? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great show, by the way. And it, it usually doesn't end well for the creator. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we've killed every god we've come across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the point of the singularity is it, it recognizes that at some point technology is going to become superior to us. Natural evolution through natural selection is way too slow and it's really sloppy. 
When people say nature always knows best, I scoff at them. No, it doesn't. It experiments a lot. That's how you get good shit, is because it mutates all the fucking time. That's why so many species die. That's why you see all the weird deformities that pop out um, uh, every now and then. It's just nature's always experimenting. With, 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 with us, we can experiment less mentally. We, uh, we uh, can go one foot after another, after another, after another. And the singularity is recognizing that at some point, all this brilliant stuff we did is going to converge and it will surpass us. And that is dangerous. And the only way to survive our technology is to integrate with it. Is, is in order to keep up with our creations, we have to infuse ourselves with it because we are nothing but silly little meat sacks barely two feet out of the jungle. And we are now creating gods. So monkeys are now creating gods quite literally. <laughs> it is interesting. Um, I'm personally not at all concerned with the idea of technology outpacing us because we're the ones creating it. Like we... We can't teach something, program something to do something that we have not at some point theoretically figured out because we don't understand mm -hmm. how to do it. So to think that technology itself sure would that? spiral out, I, yeah, I just, I, it's not something that's <laughs> even in my radar. I'm not at all concerned with it. Uh, I do like the idea of, um, I like the idea of creation uh, as far as artificial intelligence goes i i mean we it, it it is so far down the line that we would ever have to concern ourselves with a technological singularity if it's at all even possible which anything's possible in my opinion um i just don't think with our apple iphones this is going to be happening so siri yeah. is not going to be taking over <laughs> no um, no the, the the terminator the the, the terminator scenario is kind of laughable, but that's how yeah. the singularity is. Um, if you can create a robot that is a better human companion than a real human being, someone that can work better at a job, who can think faster, who is more strategic, and they're starting to think that consciousness is born out of experience and basic information. So the argument is, oh no, an AI could never surpass a human being because it lacks creativity. But they are teaching these things to learn. If you're teaching something to have a base program, much like biological genetics, which is a base program that can interact with its environment and learn from it, and now the computers can do the same thing, it becomes a question of, we may see this theory prove itself. And it's not a concern. It's how do you deal with the probability? Because it's not a possibility. It's a probability. The singularity is seriously discussed in scientific circles. Not many scoff at it anymore. Machines can do all kinds of things that humans can't. We rely on them. Very much so. Uh, and, you know, no, that was, that was kind of the end of the point. So okay. the, the dealing with the dealing with the singularity isn't about oh my god it's doomsday no get get that idea out of your head it's nowhere near what it is it's what do you do when everything goes so much faster and we can't understand it anymore 
Um, uh, it will, it will be, you know, the computer is supposed to help us. What happens when it doesn't need you anymore? And not because it's conscious, but because everything can be done. And the things that need to be done, we can't even comprehend. So in order to keep up, we have to make ourselves better. And the only way, we can't wait for nature. Nature is too fucking slow. It's our oh, yeah. Nature, uh, honestly, nature is a terrible innovator. I just have to say that. It takes billions of years to see results that we can imagine and experiment on in weeks. So, (laughs) nature sucks. If we would have waited for a natural (laughs) cure to HIV, 90% of the species would be dead. Yeah, which would be the cure. (laughs) Get rid of the humans. That's what what happened to most other species on the planet. You just look at cats and AIDS. Every, every, almost every mammal has had its own version of HIV. And when that epidemic happened to them, most of them were wiped off the face of the earth except the very small population that had a natural immunity, which is the same thing for us. Is it like, what, less than 3% of the population is immune to HIV? Yeah, I think that's what they say. Interesting. Yeah. So, that was, well, yeah. Um, long discussion. I think it was a fantastic one. I I don't know that I could contribute anything deeper than I have already, but I'm sure Aden could and we could, you know, have other people on. So audience, if you're not satisfied yet and you want more, let us know. Info at ninecentspodcast.com. Let's do a little something different with Heather Height and move on to militant eroticism. Welcome to Something Different with Heather Height on Nonsense. I'm not going to pretend that I understand what makes an audience member take something a stand-up comedian says personally. Obviously, they went in thinking they were going to be okay. The guy who blogged about Tracy Morgan's alleged anti-gay rant was quoted as saying, I figured at some point the gay jokes would fly and I'm well prepared for a good ribbing of straight gay humor. Obviously, he was wrong. And the girl who blogged about Daniel Tosh allegedly making her the subject of a rape joke seemed to think she could take it, saying, not really our taste, but we were open-minded about what they, meaning the comedians on the show, had to offer. Again, they're obviously wrong about her level of neuroses. In both cases, they were shamed, the comedians were shamed or compelled to apologize. I wouldn't even make my kids apologize based on the word of one person. In fact, if I had a baby today, I would teach it to apologize to anyone but a blogger. I would kick bloggers in front of the kid whenever I got the chance and dress it in onesies that said, fuck off blogger. It's not just bloggers, of course. It's the apparent irresistible urge to latch onto every hyped up exaggerated complaint and spread it all over the internet and our inability to dismiss it as as bullshit based on the headline. This past April, 
it was announced that Trevor Noah would replace Jon Stewart as host of The Daily Show. I guess this pissed some people off because said people went digging back through years of tweets looking for something to blog about. These are some of my favorites. He was accused of being anti-Semitic for tweets that amounted to nothing more than somewhat hacky one-liners like, almost bumped a Jewish kid crossing the road. He didn't look before crossing, but I still would have felt bad in my German car. He was uh, accused of being sexist for things like, a hot white woman with ass is like a unicorn. Even if you do see one, you probably never get to ride it. And more recently, anti-trans for, um, which is not my word, by the way. It's just a new word for something to be offended by. Um, looking, how, looking how successful all the Kardashian women are, I don't blame Bruce Jenner at all. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really disagree with any of these statements. They're almost poignant, more, much more than they are funny, really. <clears throat> all right, so... In retaliation to not just, I think, defend Trevor Noah, but just out of fucking frustration, and I'm sure, uh, Patton Oswald went on a 53-tweet rant against the digging into Trevor Noah's past years, all the way back to like 2009, of his tweets and picking them apart and calling them racist and sexist when they're just fucking jokes, like, you know. George Burns would have told those jokes. So I'm going to read his entire 53 tweet rant. And I know this has been like people have already been over this, but I didn't have a platform to do this on when it happened in April. And, you know, you people need to not be thinking everything is so like yesterday, you know, things can be relived. So here it goes. Why did the man throw butter out the window? He wanted to see butter fly. Man, in my previous tweet, should not be construed as privileged, misogynistic, or anti-trans. Nor should there be any assumption that of said man's race or religion. It could be an African-American man, Asian, or any one of the vast multicultural mosaic which make up the world we live in today. Man was simply an archaic placeholder for the subject of the joke, and thus should not denote privilege nor exclude any sexuality, religion, nationality, or offend any feelings the joke listener may or may not have, have, have had ever experienced in the past. Furthermore, the action of throwing is not meant in any way to imply an exclusion of the differently abled, or even someone who may have ever felt excluded from. And the choice of butter as the object being thrown was in no way an insult to those with strict lacto-vegan diet or anyone who may be lactose intolerant might know someone who is lactose intolerant or knows someone who is katu vegan or may meet someone who of someone of those two persuasions anytime in the future. Also, butter does not mean the joke teller is unaware of or insensitive to the abuses in our current factory farming dairy industry, including negligent negligence, ah, neglect of animals or additions of hormones, pesticides, or other contaminants. Also, 
please accept this preemptive apology if the word butter was a trigger. For any time in the past, the joke recipient may have been called a butter face or knows someone who was insulted in such a fashion. Aesthetic shaming is real and bullying hurts us all. Also, again, privilege. What else? Oh, yes, out the window was not meant in any sort of insult to the homeless population. In that, in that the phrase, out the window, could easily be construed as placing the butter thrower in a house in which the butter thrower owns. The trigger potential for out the window is not to be underestimated, nor should the act of throwing away food, which can be, be read as violent, corporate-centric status maneuver. Privilege, 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 privilege. The pronoun he in the second part of the joke should again not be taken as a patriarchal assumption. Parts 28 through 36 will simply be the word problematic for you to use in any other interpretation of the pronoun he. Problematic, 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 problematic. C is, as we all know, very potentially triggering to any seeing impaired or blind people hearing the joke. And again, a preemptive apology is meekly offered. And in fact, and the fact that Twitter does not offer a braille version of its website is part of a larger problem, which the joke was in absolutely no way making light of. Finally, the fact that the man wanted to see butterfly implies a flippant attitude toward mental illness or the subject's lack of abstract or symbolic empathetic thought, which was not the aim of the joke, or the joke teller. But context, as we know, does not matter. Only individual words and feelings do. So, as always, and from now on, no matter what the intent, aim, or satirical content, the deepest apology is offered to anyone, anywhere, for any reason whatsoever who found any offense in the previous joke. Jokes should always entertain every single person who hears them. A simple series of clarifying post-joke post tweets like the ones I just sent out will ensure everyone a gentle, comforting chuckle. Welcome to comedy in 2015, Trevor Noah. Also, the come part of welcome shouldn't be construed in a faggy way. So Pat Oswalt made me think maybe I could find another stand-up comic retaliation. But when I Googled for like a few variations of that, I only found variations of stand-up comic apologizes. So that was kind of sad. It's nice to see that when some of us get fed up, we speak up, but it doesn't seem to be the norm. Thank you very much for listening to Something Different. 
with Heather Height on Nine Cents. You can tweet me at Heather Height on Twitter. Find me on Facebook, Heather Height. Uh, email me at heatherheight at yahoo.com. Say nice things to me. Have a great week. Hail Satan. Ever wonder why genies are trapped in bottles? Because they're a bunch of goddamn drunks. And like all drunks, they'll talk to anyone who will listen until somebody puts a cork back in the bottle. So, want a little drunken genie nonsense? Then grab a bottle of whiskey and rub one out. Or tune into Nine Cents the first week of every month and catch my segment, I Dream of Jesse. The top hated and the low-browed. With a scarlet passion and valid gospel, I say to you, Thou in sick style will mote altars. Be not of love, but of lust. And to one of bellies full, ears of bellies full. Expand your genital rebellion to vindicate the shrew. Let thy brothel be revelation. Then thy moans are divine wisdom. There's no salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers, a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands on borders. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome, I am the Denner Den, and this is Militant Eroticism, episode 24, How to Have a Threesome. Yes. It feels like it's been a long time since I've done one of these things. But, ah, the three-way, one of my favorite sexual activities, <laughs> but I mean that, it's one of my favorite ones. Whether it's hopping or bottoming, I like more camaraderie in my bedroom. Threesomes are quite popular among men, as the article I posted on the Militant Eroticism Facebook page will show you. And that's whether gay or straight, by the way. But few go outside of the fantasy and ask what it is that makes a great threesome. I've had terrible ones and heard about terrible experiences far more than I do about good ones. And usually the same problems pop up in each story. Jealousy, organization or someone dictating, drunkenness, and awkwardness. It's been a while since doing a more fun episode, and I decided to offer my insights on having a good fucking three-way and address these specific problems. Now, this advice runs from three to more, and I've tested them up to six people. Damn. <laughs> that was a good weekend, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll begin with jealousy. And many couples uh, turn to three-way as a last-ditch effort to save their relationship, which is stupid. It doesn't help to do anything but create a war for a stranger to walk into. I've been in that situation. It's not fucking fun. Get your shit together before I get there. It's, it's a good idea to discuss 
and quite easy to test if you and a significant other should have a threesome. Making it as real a possibility as you can and watch both of your reactions to it. Point out other hotties to your partner and expect them to do the fucking same. When in bed, talk dirty and discuss what the other person would do in detail. And imagine someone doing those things to your partner and the new person. I can't not emphasize that enough. You need to think seriously. If you are okay with someone else making your partner come and not you, you need to be okay with someone doing something to your partner that you never thought of and them loving it. If you get all insecure and silly and turn into a big old pussy about it, three ways aren't for you. Firstly, for me, I like when that shit happens because I'm like, oh my God, no, what'd you do? Teach me that. <laughs> but some, some people want to go in the corner and cry because they suddenly figured out that they're not the best thing in the world. <laughs> anyway, conversations should be had extensively and repeatedly about the rules to the shebang, as well as not having any significant problems in the relationship. Everybody has issues in their relationship, they're fine, but if you're in the middle of fighting and this is the last ditch effort, don't have a three-way. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. It's not going to solve anything. It's more like greasing the exit door. Uh, and you can, you can also manipulate your sexual insecurities if you and your other are both topping one bottom. So if, if um, a gay guy, and I know a couple like this one, gay, one's bi, and they'll, they'll split a woman. They'll do it. The gay man will do it for, for his man. But his thing is, like, she, I'm not fucking her in the pussy. I'll fuck her in the ass. I'll fuck her in the mouth. I'm not fucking her pussy. Which is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's still a fucking woman. But he, gets, he, he can get insecure about the fact that his, he needs something. And they, they only have three ways with this one particular woman. And uh, she's a good friend of both of theirs. And he, so they kind of treat it like a competition. He's kind of like, I bet I can make her come by fucking her in the ass before you do while fucking her in the pussy. And that's how they got over that insecurity. Uh, or, two gay, or two gay men will fucking one bottom. He's like, no, I bet I can make him moan louder than you can. And it becomes a competition. Who can get the bottom off first? It's something similar to hate sex, which is awesome. I'm all turned on right now. <laughs> it, it, it can be a good fucking time, all right? Especially for the person who's getting the better end of the stick. <laughs> ah! mm. If you guys can't tell, I have a three-way plan tonight, and that's why I'm getting all excited about this. <laughs> Except it's going to be two bottoms, so I have my work cut out for me. It's, it's, it's time to put my... I, uh, my energy to the test. Anyway, eat a banana. Now, <laughs> now, if it's just you organizing a threesome for yourself, meaning you are looking for a couple, jealousy shouldn't even be a factor. But for your safety, I suggest sitting down with the people you're joining. It's a good idea just to see what you're getting yourself into. You want to know the dynamic, and are they doing this to fight each other? In which case, that threesome won't last long, and you'll probably be somewhere that you don't want to be. Um, so I suggest grabbing a drink at a public place, chilling and watching how they interact with each other. Now, when one person in a three-way, and I've had this happen as well, next boyfriend that I went to prom with, when one person in a three-way sees it as his duty to tell others what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, now I get up and I'll walk the fuck out. 
I'll grab my pants, put them on, and be like, bye, bitches. <laughs> Order is your enemy in a three-way. Fluidity is the key word. And to an extent, the concept of flow in positive psychology should be at work here. I posted something about that on the ME Facebook as well, the psychological concept of flow. Anybody who paints, plays guitar, or something creative will know exactly what this is. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do something, explore the option physically with whichever one you want to do it with. And they will do the same. If you need to verbalize it, go ahead. I'm not telling you to never speak. I'm quite vocal in bed. When I want my dick sucked, I'll tell you. If one is doing what I ask, and the other decides he wants to join the man down south, so that means two men sucking my dick at once, or perhaps want his dick sucked as well, hey, my mouth isn't doing anything, a triangle can form. It can be a lot of fun. But you, you notice it's not someone saying, you lay here, he will lay there, and now we do this, and then we all switch, and then we'll do this, and you do this, and I do this, and then we'll switch. It sounds mechanical. How motherfucking dull. If I wanted to be ordered about like I'm on a set, and then I would have stayed in porn. Even dumb men don't talk to their subs that way. Sex, no matter how many people, is an exercise in instinct and carnality. Earlier, and in most of my episodes, I advocate sitting down with people you plan on sleeping with, looking them in the eye and talking about expectations of each other. Sex can be awkward, especially when you're violating a cultural taboo. And no matter how mainstream the taboo is, it's in your head. It's taboo. Foot fetishes are well-known, and they're actually pretty common. But yet, when you say foot fetish, everybody goes, oh, my God, that's so weird. And it's not even that weird. <laughs> um, but many people will turn to alcohol to calm their nerves. Having a drink or two with the men you're about to sleep with is all fine. And it's good to ease the situation. I do it myself. I want to have a drink with someone, you know, to, to kind of like lube the situation. But you got to keep your wits. You got to keep your wits about you. Drunk sex can be so awful, and coordination is not something you want to lack in this would-be circus you're about to have. So when you meet these men and you guys pour yourselves a drink while discussing what you want slowly touching each other, getting a physical feel and trying to vibe, cut it at the buzz. You don't need more than a buzz. You're not a, you know, a spoiled little Wall Street bitch. You can cut it at the fucking buzz. <laughs> Finally, awkwardness. This seems to be the tough one for people. And while I've addressed the solution to this throughout the episode, I'm going to mention it specifically and again. The point of meeting your soon-to-be bedmates and sitting down with them is to ease the tension. Hookup culture can rob someone of rapport when treated mechanically. And this is the same thing. Talk for a little bit. Make each other feel comfortable. Be able to laugh once or twice. And it's a lot like a first date when you're slowly getting to know, um, getting a sense of the other by nervously touching. Reassure the one touching you that you want it there. You know, I mean, think about it. There's, there's one person who isn't in the relationship and two people who are. So they're probably treading pretty carefully. You want to make sure that they know that it is all okay. This also ties into another thing that can ruin a three-way, and that's turning it into a two-sum. You don't have a fucking three-way with two goddamn people. I don't know <laughs> why this happens so much. 
No person should feel or be left out. It's a three-way. Everyone must be involved. It's the whole motherfucking point of the goddamn thing. <laughs> so, when you're so when you're first touching another, make sure you invite another to touch you, especially in the beginning. Especially if you're with a partner and the third guy is a newbie, like I had said. Don't expect everyone to take initiative until everyone is comfortable. So when the clothes are off and there's sucking sounds going on, that's probably when people will start taking more initiative. But even then, no one should be the center of attention. Even in a fucking spit roast, you should be kissing the other top and playing with his fucking nipples. <laughs> there, are, there, there are no terms here, kids. There are two whole bodies, whole bodies to play with. So get in there and have your goddamn three-way. I always saw threesomes as the means by which one can explore their own bodily pleasures with more ease. It is an experience of carnal chaos when done properly. You can feel things that one person cannot do without extreme cardio exercises, and it can be quite bonding. I like having group sex with uh, my friends with benefits. It's a great way just because by the end, we'll all sit down and giggle and whatnot. We'll laugh about the crazy shit that happened. It can be quite bonding. Um, I think people get too tense about group sex, feeling too exposed. And I can sympathize. I'm not much of an exhibitionist. I don't like being watched when I talk. The loophole for me in group sex is that if everyone is involved, I'm not putting on any kind of show. They have their own shit to look at. They're not looking at me. <laughs> so relax. Have a drink. Converse with two sexy people about how you like to get your ass slapped, how you get, how you like to have your nipples licked, and how you like to fuck some face. <laughs> so as always, comrades, keep your skirts up, keep your pants down, and no matter who bends over, there is more than one hole to fill and more than one person to fill it. <laughs> yeah! Oh, that's fantastic. If I wasn't holding a phone right now, I'd be clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I miss this is a... It got too serious for too long. Yeah, no, this is amazing. This is fantastic. Um, it's weird. I have a, a a really close friend who is a swinger, and so I get a lot of discussion from his side of it and in his experiences and sort of you know how it works. And so it is uh, very much something that my wife and I have discussed in the past. And and though I think it's every man's fantasy. I, I don't think I'm the type of dude to, <laughs> to jump in a throughway. Uh, I still have insecurities to get over. Do you think, let me ask you this then. Um, okay. Do you, <laughs> no. <laughs> do you, uh, do you think it's, uh, um, it's only certain types of people that are able to get in it? Or do you think everyone can get past insecurities that they've developed or they just inherently have? Uh, that's, that's tough. Hey, let, let me put it this way. Not everybody can have group sex, mm. whether they want to or not. You know, some people, like friends that we both know, just it's not for them. They're not interested. Nothing about it really appeals to them except maybe in fantasy. Yeah. Um, but even if they were seriously presented with it and they were the type to cheat, they probably wouldn't. You know, because they're not that type to begin with. Now, on the other hand, I have insecurities in bed. To me, I've turned it into a running joke. Mm -hmm. I, I, I tell everybody I suck in bed because I'm insecure about my sexual, um, my, uh, 
uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? My sexual talent. It doesn't matter how many people tell me I'm good. I, I just don't believe them. So I turn them, I turn it into a joke. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can take your insecurities or you can turn your hangups and turn them into hang on, hang ons <laughs> to be <laughs> silly for a minute, uh, <laughs> to be, to be silly for a minute. Um, no, you, you can manipulate these insecurities. You, you don't have to get over them. You can just have some fun with them. Uh, and no, you can't, you can't get over every insecurity. You can't yeah. do it. You can only hide them better. But in, uh, to me, it, I think instead of hiding them, you should have some fun with them. So in your opinion, um, because I've, I've, I've witnessed the chaos that swinging and three ways can cause with uh, mm -hmm. couples firsthand do you think this is something that it very much it has to be the type of individual with the type of relationship in order to make it work or is it something that uh it's just sort of a toss of the dice oh i don't know i, th I think um you should answer those questions as an individual before you decide to get into a relationship but nice on the other hand let's say you you answer those questions for yourself mm. in the affirmative. Yes, I'm the type of person who could have a three-way. Or at least you think you are. And you find somebody that you trust, and you've had that conversation, and they agree with you, and you try it. Like um, a, couple, uh, a, friend, uh, a couple that I know, the girl wanted to have three ways. The guy was just like, alright, he didn't give two shits one way or another. But they talked about the rules. He's like, you will not do these things if we are going to swing. And she said, okay, you're not going to do those things. And they agreed. They were both perfectly comfortable. Now, when he saw his wife getting fucked by another man, he didn't have a problem. Now, when she saw him fucking another woman, she threw a goddamn fit, but not at him. She was like, no, we're done. That's oh, wow. like, but you're the one who won. And she's like, no, but I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know until you do it. it yeah. If you think about it, and you think about it, Seriously, not in like, oh, dude, it'd be hot to have two pussies. Because I've talked to straight guys who've been in bed with two women. They always say the same thing. Exhausting. <laughs> it is fucking exhausting. They're like, even if both price. of them come, if I make both of them come, I'm the one who's crawling out of that bed getting ready to die. Not them. <laughs> yeah. But so if, if you take this seriously... And you, you can answer for yourself in your head, then give it a shot. But don't just go out there and give it a shot. Like, you know, you, you have to think about these things first. And if you don't think of them till later, till after you have somebody in your life, then again, both of you separately and together should think about it quite seriously. And then give it a run. Now, a lot of the articles on three ways say don't do it with a friend. To me, I would rather do it with a friend. But then again, if you're already married and you hang out with married friends and things like that, you may want to do it with a stranger. Mm -hmm. But let's take you and your wife, for example. If you guys decided to do that, I would say go with your swinger couple because they already know the game and they're going to make everything very comfortable. And even if you guys never did it again, they probably would be the last ones to make it awkward. So if that relationship fell apart, it would be all on you two. Because you have right. some kind of, so because some people suddenly have like, oh my god, you've been in my life. Oh my god, you've seen me naked and you've seen <laughs> yeah. my O face. 
Yeah, grow, grow, <laughs> up. grow the fuck up. Like, really, what are you, 10? Oh, man. You yeah, haven't seen my O face, you don't <laughs> know. Because <laughs> I've seen that happen. Like, you understand, he saw my wife make it, he saw my wife come. So? What are you, a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so what, man? Come on, get get the fuck over it. I, I really I'm do sure like how you you open this entire discussion up, and and how you're you're sort of uh, double downing right now on it, and and that it's yes, it's a fantasy for a lot of people, but you really need to do the due diligence in the relationship first. You have to discuss it. You have to workshop it essentially like role play it between the two of you before you ever bring a third into the mix i think that's an incredibly okay. healthy way to approach it and i mean to be honest i don't think many people do that i think it's very much like a everyone's drunk hey let's try this or i'm gonna i'm gonna work this in and that's why you see a lot of relationships i think fall apart from it so i think that's really good advice people man People, people need to remember that if they're going to have a three-way after they already have a relationship, a serious relationship, not, you know, one, two years, but mm. a solid, long-running, serious commitment, you're going to try this. That relationship comes fucking first. And you need to deal with it as goddamn adults. You know, you need to deal with it as adults. If you can't do it, if you can't treat these fun and games seriously, mm-hmm. the, way I look, the way I look at sex with adults is like um like playing like playing games. You 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 sit down, you talk you talk about the rules, and usually when adults get together and talk about doing something, they plan it quite seriously. Yeah. yeah. And then they go out and have fun like they're ten years old again. Why <laughs> is it when it comes to sex people don't do this shit? Suddenly all their insecurities come out. It's kind of like being a sore loser. <laughs> it's so That's silly. a really good point. I've never thought of that. Adults are the biggest babies sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Well, um... And it's a... I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't even hold it against anybody that said, you know what, no, we've we thought about it, we talked about it, and... It's, it's hot to jack off to, but it's not for us. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. That's great. Because at least you know. You know it's a road you don't want to explore. That's fantastic. But, you know, it's just if you're going to travel down a road, at least you know, keep your eyes and your ears open. Pay, pay, the, pay some goddamn attention. Mm-hmm. Fantastic a, advice, man. <laughs> I know this... this, uh, this episode specifically was fun but i i genuinely think there's substance here and i I absolutely loved it so thank you so much for that man um oh you're very welcome let me how about you tell the good folks listening how they can reach out and connect with militant eroticism online oh you're gonna make me lift everything (laughs) give give the highlights Here we go. I hate the <laughs> <laughs> There is, I changed the name on Facebook. There is Milton Eroticism on Nine Cents for the segment. There is now Milton Eroticism book on Facebook mm. or my book. And there is MilitantEroticism.com, which 
is specifically dedicated to buying the book and get out there and buy the book because I have to say it's awesome. It's great. (laughs) It genuinely is though. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If people that I've been reading about since I was 14 are coming up and telling me it's great, I have to kind of believe them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I won't say names, but you know who. I I think it's absolutely fantastic. I've heard nothing but praise for it. And it it is a top-notch collection. If you enjoy this segment, you will love the book. I highly recommend everyone get out there. Milton Rosner's... I am... uh, Okay, to be a little bit of pulling back the curtain here. I've had three whiskeys, and so... And I, I do the the three, the three finger pour, so it's it's a little bit much for me. I'm uh, <laughs> but it is I'm absolutely. Only one, I'm only one behind you. Okay, good. Uh, it's a fantastic volume. Uh, Milton Rossism, the podcast. I I absolutely adore this segment. Uh, connect with him online. He does put out a lot of articles uh, that reference the essays that are in the books and in the segments that he's going to be speaking to in future episodes. So connect with him online, let him know what you think. And if you're a straight dude and you've bought the book, for fuck's sake, send a picture of you naked hiding your junk. <laughs> Apparently it's a popular yeah, thing on, to do. Yeah, come on, join my folder. <laughs> Adam's feeling really lonely in there. It can't just uh, be me. Oh, no, no, no. A shout out to Adam's wife. Thank you for the photos. <laughs> Motherfucker! Uh, All right, let's do a little. I'm referring to. Yeah, I do. <laughs> let's do a little between the horns, and then close this bad boy out. Satanism demands study, not worship, and I'm looking for a few outstanding study partners. So put on your thinking horns with me. Warlock M.A. Mandrake. It's time to read Between the Horns. The title of this number is Hail Satanists. I recently attended the Church of Satan Year 50 International Member Conclave in Washington, D.C., and I have an embarrassing confession. I was super-duper happy to get together with a bunch of fellow Church of Satan members. Does that make me a bad Satanist? Aren't we supposed to be misanthropic to a fault? Even to the point of avoiding our very best friends? Does not an international gathering of Satanists smack of group-hug hippie kumbaya? (laughs) Of course I'm just imping around. Yes, we are an organization for non-joiners. We naturally avoid huddling together. After all, we are not a cult. But it's perfectly healthy to get together when the time is right. But, as LeVar Burton said on Reading Rainbow, you don't have to take my word for it. If you will please open your satanic Bibles to the Book of Belial, page 119, it is written, The pageantry of religion is what has sustained it. When religion consistently becomes a solitary situation, it reaches into that realm of self-denial which runs concurrent with antisocial behavior. As proudly antisocial as we misanthropes sometimes are, 
There's a reason Magus LeVay warned us about this. As with everything, solitude should be an indulgence or discipline, and not a compulsion. Still, in the Satanic Scriptures, Magus Gilmore reminds us that the Church of Satan is not a social club. That could be confusing to someone following LeVay's advice. You know what that means. It's time for a Third Side Perspective! We are a cabal of independent individualists who share common principles with divergent applications. The very concepts about which we agree as Satanists can lead to disagreement between Satanists. And yet we not only agree to disagree, but ultimately agree about the very principles that cause that disagreement. It is a hydra-headed Ouroboros, many serpents biting the same shared tail. In the essay, Get a Life, from Satan Speaks, LeVay says, The Church of Satan should serve as a generator for existing energy. When we get together, we enhance our respective perspectives through exchanges with others who are applying Satanism in vastly different ways. Even with communication through the Internet, it can be easy to develop tunnel vision to forget the wide-ranging implications of such a customizable religion. For those of us who actively seek to preserve and elaborate upon Satanism, the occasional get-together is a valuable experience that ultimately benefits us all. There is only so much we can do in complete solitude. The very purpose of the Church of Satan is communication. We are the fountainhead of genuine Satanism, clearing up misconceptions where they arise, advocating reason where stupidity threatens progress, and helping to guide undiscovered members of our meta-tribe in the right, or left, direction. And each of us does this for selfish reasons that just happen to benefit each other. Any one of us could live joyfully without ever meeting another Satanist. But for those of us who can, and who enjoy the experience, it reinforces and expands our understanding of our own unusual natures. And if we didn't find stimulation through agreement with others who share our views, we wouldn't have a religion in the first place. But we do, and we share it each in our own special way. To quote the Magus again, affiliation need not negate independence. Ours is a unique religious orientation amply demonstrated at the Year 50 Conclave. This was the largest satanic event I've ever attended. The folks I already knew impressed me in new ways, and the rest made a damned good first impression. It's been 13 years since I joined the Church of Satan, and I'm more excited about it than ever. That historic moment was a demonstration of what the Church of Satan has become nearly 20 years since the passing of our esteemed founder. It was a diverse group, even though I was apparently the only black guy there. You know, I really should have tested a few citizens by posing as a Nigerian prince in need of to transfer one million American dollars. <clears throat> Back to the point... I have witnessed firsthand and on numerous occasions the uniqueness, intelligence, and productivity of our membership. That is a major benefit of occasionally crawling out of our caves and getting together. Without violating anyone's privacy, I can assure you that satanic productivity extends far beyond what is seen on the Internet. There is a great deal of great work being done in the name of Satan, evocative artistry, 
illuminating research, rib-tickling comedy, and so much more. Is this brown-nosing? My nose is already brown, thank you very much. I'm just giving the devils their due. And I'll take some credit for myself, why not? Kiss my own ass for being amongst this Plutonian pantheon. These are, of course, just my own thoughts, sparked by inspiration from a rare Church of Satan gathering. For another, even more experienced perspective, I recommend going to churchofsatan.com and reading the essay, Satanism is Not a Congregational Religion, written by Magister Bill M. after the Satanic High Mass on June 6, 2006, a.k.a. 666. This clarifies why we usually don't have official gatherings. And on the Church of Satan news feed, you'll see a post by Magus Peter H. Gilmore about the Year 50 Conclave I've been going on about. I also look forward to listening to the new episode of Magistra E. Grain's Confessions of a Wicked Witch on Radio Free Satan. As I understand it, she has a few things to say about the Conclave, too. The impact of this event is just beginning to sink in, for me at least. It'll be years before some of its inspirational seeds come to fruition, for all of us, I'm sure. So here's to the next half century. In the year 100 Anno Satanas, I'll be an octogenarian. Phew! I look forward to celebrating that with as many of you as possible. Until next time, this is Warlock M.A. Mandrake saying, God is dead! Satan lives! The year is 50! Hail the Church of Satan! Hail Satan! <laughs> all right, people, that's going to do it for yet another show. I do hope you enjoyed it, and we would all collectively love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centpodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. If you want us to dive into a topic for the first time, or maybe a second time a little bit deeper, let us know. Again, info at 9centspodcast.com. You can connect to us socially via the intertubes. <laughs> social media Satan Net, facebook google plus twitter myspace page uh it's all there nine cents get updated on weekly topics contests show notes uh random thoughts and experiences it's all there check it out download the show mondays via the rss feed found at nine cents we're also on last fm stitcher and youtube so look for us there and for all those of you who have already sent in your uh, ratings and reviews I truly appreciate it. I am behind on getting all of the updates on the website, but I will echo them there. And for those of you who haven't, what the fuck? We are <laughs> collectively and quite literally the best source of satanic wit, wisdom, and education online. Uh, you cannot get anything else on a weekly fucking basis that forces you to examine Satanism, to examine life experience, and to fucking have fun doing it. Nowhere else are you going to get that except for this podcast right here. So tell other people, share nine cents, let us know what you think. Let's keep this thing going, people. Of course... As always, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism, churchofsatan.com is the place you should be going. Read the Satanic Bible, for fuck's sake. Read the Satanic Scriptures, for fuck's sake. People, educate yourselves. Satanism is study, not worship. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... I am Aden Aden. The fantastic Aden Aden. I love you, man. And if I was into threesomes, I'd be knocking on your door.
Seriously. You are so full of shit. I have no interest in your wife, and you're a straight man. You motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're a you're a, you're a pussy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, everyone else out there, until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan.